Scarantino, and this is the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Every week, I'm going to be talking about a new topic to help you guys get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I used to work as a bartender, and I lived in the New York City bar scene. I smoked between a pack or two a day, and I was what you'd call quite overweight. I learned that the secret to adopting a healthy lifestyle is a series of mindset shifts. Unfortunately, they don't always come with an owner's manual, so I decided to start this podcast to give you guys the nuts and bolts without you having to do all the research on your own. Getting healthy does not mean you have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and it actually can be quite a fun journey. I'm really excited to have you guys on that journey with me. Let's get off together. Everybody, welcome back to the Get the Fuck Off podcast. I am here with Allison Sutter. I am so excited to have her. She is an author and spiritual and intuitive mentor, intuitive and spiritual mentor. And I am, I was like intimidated as hell because I was reading the bio that you sent me. And now we are on my, my third attempt of introducing you. So Allison, I'm excited to have you. Thank you for being on the Get the Fuck Off podcast. I promise I won't make you do this again. <laughs> It's perfect, and I'm happy to be here. Oh, Allison, I just want to tell everybody a little bit about you from, I mean, I was I was so impressed. You have been, so you have been working in self-help and education for over 25 years. You've authored several books, uh, several children's books, self-help books. Mm-hmm. Um, your work primarily focuses on helping people who are, looking to, or, or not looking to, but are awakening spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um, I am one of those people. Uh, I am, I'm always inspired by you. I constantly, uh, I just think that everything that you put out there is great. Um, for those of you who are listening, Allison and I met on wisdom app, which I think was just completely the universe because I had no, I had no idea. And you were always on Martin John Garcia's Dow of the days. Um, he talks about the Dow Te Ching, I think every day of the week, I actually turned mm-hmm. off my notifications for wisdom app. So I have no idea what's going on over there, but I just thought it was really cool that we ended up in the same circles. And Mm -hmm. I think you've been doing a lot of content lately on, on intuition. I've been watching you talk a lot about it and I would love it if you would just give my listeners just, 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 just an intro to you, an intro to, you know, intuition, what you do, how your work is, is playing out these days, everything, just take the ball. Sure. Um, so yeah, I've been in education a long time. I started out teaching the little ones, the wee ones in um, kindergarten, first grade for many years. And then it was just the most, the best financial choice for me to stay home and for my husband to continue to be the one who brings the money home. Um, so over the years I started doing a bunch of things, but what I noticed that I wasn't doing was trusting myself. That was the theme. The theme was don't trust self, follow other people. Other people know more. They must be, you know, better than me, you know, put the, the limiting belief about self in there. And, and I had it for the most part. So there was um, kind of like, you know, everyone goes through the hero's journey. So my hero's journey was I came to, I was working with somebody who was famous in the personal development world. The person was in the movie, The Secret. So I was like bowing down. And of course, you know, your way is best. Yes, sir. Of course, you know, um, but I, during that journey, 
what I discovered was um, his way is not best. In fact, there was a lot of emotional manipulation going on in the industry, especially with that organization. Um, and I got to the point where I got so, I would get so anxious getting near this guy. I broke out in hives almost every single time. I would start shaking. And I'm like, why is this happening? Right. And it was not the best path forward for me with this organization. So I had to, after I had invested like 20 grand, because I thought this was the way, mm-hmm. um, I had to go in a different direction. And I'm like, all right, so how can I do something that, you know, that I do well? Um, what do I need to know? I wanted to know how to follow my intuition. I wanted to know how not to let fear stop me. And I wanted to really be comfortable being myself. I was sick of being anxious and having panic attacks and not feeling comfortable with myself. Cause I spent about 40 years, 45 years doing that. And I was like, just tired of it. Um, so, but what I also wanted to do was take what I knew about actual learning because standardized education is about memorizing the script. It's about going as quickly as you can. It's about how, how do you test? And I'm like, that's not learning. That's not learning. That's just, you know, following a script. You so are speaking I, to my soul right now. I don't want to cut you off, but I think that you, you know, it's, you're speaking to my soul, but please continue. Yeah. Right. So being in that industry, I mean, I have a master's degree in education. I was going into administration. I thought before I gave birth that I was going to be high level standardized education, mm-hmm. but it didn't, I didn't end up going that way. So I'm like, you know what? And then I realized how much it wasn't working as I got a view as a parent. And as I learned more about what it actually means to learn and have a relationship with information that's beneficial. So I took what I knew about that. And I said, these are the things that I want to do. And so I started making courses um, and I started just testing them out. Like, does this resonate with the students? Do they understand what I'm saying? is, Is this appealing? My language, my formatting. And I did a couple of courses like on visualize, I called it visualization mastery. Um, I did a course on law of attraction. I did a course um, on intuition. And what I found was that the, the students that actually um, worked with the information, because a lot of people sign up for courses and they never finish them. But the, right. the people that actually went through the course absolutely loved it. Like this is the best thing I've ever taken. I think it was my intent was when a person is done with it, that they're independent, they don't need me. I'm not looking to upsell anyone on anything. I mm-hmm. want them to learn what they intended to learn in that particular course. So I did that for many years. And then that's when I um, decided to do the Accelerate Your Mojo after I'd had some practice and I had some students reflect on it and I got feedback. So then I created the Accelerate Your Mojo, which was those three things, tap into your intuition, I called it, you know, like, um, transform is an interesting word, but it's more like recognize when fear shows up and move in a different direction. Cause it's always going to show up to some degree always, and then be your authentic self. But what I realized is that my intuition guided me to all of these things, because those three things together are really, really powerful when it comes to the creative process in your own life. Cause we're here to be ourselves. That's really our only job. And so, you know, that's what I did. And so I started working with people and again, getting feedback and figuring out what works. I wrote the book. Um, I created an online course with it. 
I created a podcast with it. You know, I, I know that there are all these different ways which people learn many different methodologies, many different ways, kinesthetically, um, you know, verbally, like all these written. So I tried to create as many different approaches as I could, because I know people learn differently. So that's what I did. And then from there, I just spent more and more time doing it myself. So I had new ways to describe how you do such an esoteric thing, because it's kind of weird. And it's kind of, it is, it's heavy. It's very heavy for people because I think what I come, what I see a lot with clients is that everybody really wants, and coming from that Western ideology, coming from education, you'll understand this, is everybody wants a checklist and a how-to because they do. They want to memorize the steps and then they want to regurgitate. And yep. that doesn't serve us. And I, I think we're moving to a, a place, and this is something that I've been talking about a lot. I think we're moving to a more collective awareness of consciousness because yeah. of the pandemic pause. I see it. And it's, it's something that's really big and it's hard to really narrow it down for an audience that's here to stop drinking and eating a lot, <laughs> you know, but, but it's, it's important. I think that it's important because everything that we believe about ourselves plays into our behaviors, what shows up. Yes. If anxiety is showing up, it's showing up because of a lot of those, as you said, limiting beliefs about yourself. Mm -hmm. And we're not really trained from a very fundamental level to explore curiosity in any way. Like we're not, mm -hmm. we're not, we're not trained to understand. And you making that shift is, is absolutely huge. And I know that you were talking about accelerate your mojo and those three, those three level, like three things that you were talking about. Intuition was one. What were the other two? Just remind me again. The, the three Just were tran transforming fear. You can call it that as a simplistic way of saying when the limiting beliefs, when the anxiety, when the doubt, when the fear, when the jealousy, when the anger, all of those are derivations of the thing we call fear. So when they show up, not running from them, not denying them, but deciding how, what is the best approach for you as an individual? Is it to dive into it a little more, get to know it, approach it head on, or is it to focus in a different direction? But uh, because I think there's, there's a great deal of encouragement for people to deny how they actually feel. For example, oh, you're just excited. You're not anxious. When the person's like flipping out, like, no, I'm anxious. I'm not excited. Stop trying to convince me that it's a more positive expression of what it actually is. If this is a lens of limitation, this is consciousness experiencing itself through a literal focus point of limitation. Part of that is going to be experienced as fear. It just is some derivation of it. So stop running from it, either explore it or decide in that moment to focus in another, another direction. But I Don't think that's, it's, it's a big thing though, that we're taught to do because we're taught that if you're experiencing any emotion that's perceived as negative, that there's something wrong with you yes. and you are, you are defunct, you are broken. And people, I think that that comes from, I mean, I experienced that at a very young age, a very young mm -hmm. age when my grandmother, you know, told me that if I was playing with toys in the yard, I was making them play pretend and they were speaking to each other. I wrote about this in one of my emails. If I was doing that, verbally in the yard that I would be sent to an institution. So I, I wrote, I wrote about this to my list and I had a couple of people write right back. And it's on one of my emails that everybody that'll sign up to get my emails will get. And um, I had a couple of people write back and say, and they were, they were actually probably, I don't know, maybe five, 10 years older than you people that I know. And they said that their parents, which would have been also silent generation members, 
also threatened them with similar things. I think a lot of people don't realize how much our societal and our cultural things play into what we feel. And I would love to ask you, since you do this work, when you're talking about, when I'm talking about people like awakening spiritually, or when we're talking about people awakening spiritually, how would you just begin to guide someone that grew up here in the West with all of these contributing factors to how they view life? How would you begin to teach them how to embrace what they feel to be okay with what they feel to understand that's part of this part of it? I think I provide a safe space. I think that's really all that's necessary is when you do provide a safe space and someone is comfortable, it just comes out naturally within the work that we do because we are talking about recognizing belief systems that are, that are based on limitation. And what I encourage people to do is pay attention. How do you feel like pay attention? And I, and I use constriction or expansion because negative and positive are connotations. They're good or bad. Like nobody wants a negative feeling because that's bad, right? I don't want that. But okay, so let's use different terminology. Let's go constricting or expanding. What is it that you are thinking about or experiencing? And what is the corresponding emotion? Just pay attention because you're going to know quite clearly what it is. And that will lead you back to, you know, the belief system that it stems from. So it's all about just being in a space where this is the intention is to talk about this. People know that when they come to me, so I don't have to encourage really. It's just, they've come mm. to me because it's a safe space for this. And I know that we're going to talk about it and we're going to explore it. And, and it's, it's amazing how much stuff, cause I use a lot of uh, writing too. We have like a place, a Google doc where we can correspond during, mm. uh, between the sessions. And because language is so incredibly important to help you for yourself tie back to what it is you're thinking and feeling. I actually and do that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's cool because I don't think people will always know that they're, that they don't hear their own voice because yeah. you are not the voice. The voice is the voice and you are you. And mm-hmm. the voice is yep, 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 yep. And you don't hear it, but it, when you can write and you can yeah. put it out there, it's really neat. Yeah. It's really, you get a really third person point of view. It's like, you can be, you become the narrator, right? And once it's narrated, you can take a different POV. You can look at it sort of, you know, third person and you can be like, oh, wow, that's what I said. Yeah. That's what you said. And, and it's because I did this one class called um, identifying limiting beliefs in real time. Cause there's a lot of conversation about how beliefs are subconscious and you don't know what they are and you have to dig for them and it's they're deep seated and they're going to take a long time. And I'm like 30 minutes or 60 minutes. I can tell you exactly what your limiting beliefs are. You will show me what your mm-hmm. limiting beliefs are. One woman even showed me in an email before she got to the class. I'm like, can I read this? She's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, here it is. There's your limiting belief. Yeah. All right? It's not hidden. It's right here. You showed me with your words. Like it's not magical. It's just, it's, we're getting to the point where our beliefs about beliefs are shifting, right? It's sort of meta. You have beliefs about beliefs. And our beliefs, well, we don't accept them as complete and utter truth. And I think that's becoming that because now you have everybody showing up on the, you know, on the internet being like, no, that's, that's a limiting belief. That's a limiting belief. At least we're aware. I, I think two years ago, I'm relatively new in this space. I've only really been kind of working in personal development for about two years. And I've only really been working on myself about five. And I had no idea that the things that I believed about myself were not absolute truth. And I had no idea that the way that I looked at other people and how they were behaving, I I thought everybody shared my model of the world. Mm -hmm. Everybody. 
every person. It's, it's so interesting. I know I, I, I took us off topic because I wanted you on the podcast to talk about intuition and we went into limiting beliefs, but I don't think that you can ever Fine. avoid limiting beliefs. Yeah. Me. <laughs> no, because you have beliefs about intuition. You have beliefs about intuition in regards to yourself. You might say to yourself, I'm not intuitive because fill in the blank, what I'm female, I'm male, I'm, I'm whatever, you know, you, you believe you, your relationship with intuition is based on a belief because Absolutely. intuition is coming through a hundred percent. And when I say that, you can feel your relationship to that statement based on how you feel. Do you doubt me? Do you think I'm full of shit? You're like, no freaking way. You know, like, how do you feel about what I just said? Because it's coming through 100%. There's, there's no gap. There's no lag time. It's 100% functional and available to you, every single human. So the people who just thought Allison was full of shit, by the way, that is a good insight into your belief systems about what we're talking about. You know, interestingly, I wanted to connect with Allison a little while ago. I think it was like a month ago now. And I told you, hey, you know, I quit my jobs last November and I know everything's going to be fine. I don't have any logical proof of that, but I know everything's going to be fine. And you were like, yeah, it's going to be fine. <laughs> and, and I think it was like, but my intuition told me that. And I know that you've told a couple of stories recently about intuition. I remember you were telling a story on one of your IG lives about the ear doctor. Would you be, would you be willing to share that story to kind of give people a little bit of an example of, of like sure. how, or any story, any story that you want to share about how you're into it, how you've listened to that data that we're constantly being fed. I'm going to say data because it's, it's just the word that I have available, but just being able to tap into that, that source or that communication. Right. Well, it's, it's habitual, like how we're connecting to it, we do in a habitual way. So to me, it's like, I, for 40 years, I never got my ears cleaned out. So I didn't know I wasn't hearing properly. And I didn't know what was going on. And so once I did that, though, I became really, really hyper attuned to subtle changes in my ability to hear or earwax or all the stuff in my ear. The same thing goes for your intuition. When you, you have habituated yourself to be sort of uh, numb to the ways in which it's coming through, you, you can't actually block it, but you can create the experience of it being blocked, if that makes sense. Because mm -hmm. it's an experiential reality. So we are, if you want the experience of not being able to connect with your intuition, you can have it. And I had that. But once you begin to recognize how it's coming through for you as an individual, you become hypersensitive and you can catch it in the earlier subtle stages to the very subtle nature of the way in which you are allowing it to come through for you. Um, so, you know, it's all a matter of how do you want to, cause when you realize what a functional tool it is, you will never go without it. You can apply it to any category, whether you want to apply it to business or relationships or health, food and relationships of all of that, how, you know, all of that, um, any category, because you take you wherever you go and intuition is that core. So let, so let me just start sort of start the conversation where I usually start the conversation is a person has to define it for themselves. Your definitions, i.e. beliefs, are what are literally creating the fabric of your experience. 
So how are you defining intuition? You're defining it however you experience it. So if you don't experience it very much, your definition is one of limitation. Maybe it's, I'm not intuitive. I can't trust it. I don't know what it sounds like. It never works for me. You know, that's your definition. So that is by default, your experience of it. So figure out what, you, so my definition of intuition, um, when I sort of shifted to needing that relationship to be strengthened for myself, um, I realized that my definition of intuition is the conversation between myself and my higher self, my physical self and my non-physical self. It's the go-between point. It's, it's like a radio is a translator of frequency. You know, it's translate AM, FM is translating the frequency. Intuition is a, is a midpoint, so to speak, for lack of a better word, of the vibration coming from your higher self. Because we speak, we think in language, really. That's how we think. So when, a, when an impulse or, or a communication is coming through, it gets translated into however you receiving it are you clairvoyant are you clairsentient are you clairaudient are you claircognizant do you just get the goosies do you get a gut feeling is it a vision like what is it for you so you have to start there with it and then you can begin to once you know how you're defining it and how you're experiencing it you can begin to alter that definition slowly sort of go to a neutral point and be like all right so what if I received more of the hundred percent that was coming through? What would it do for me? What would it look like? How would I, how would I notice it? You begin to, you go easy with it because if you demand that something happened that you don't fundamentally believe is going to happen. Okay, great. You're just frustrating yourself. Right. Absolutely. I have, I've experienced that. I mean, I grew up with limiting beliefs around money um, because of, I didn't grow up wealthy. We grew up poor. I watched my parents like lose a lot of money when I was young. So those beliefs followed me for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it, and it's so interesting how that all works. And I also have limiting beliefs around health, but they weren't as strong. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I see a lot of, when I talk to people, I have a lot of conversations both here with clients, with prospective clients, just with people I know. A lot of the times people will have limiting beliefs in one area that are stronger than another. And so when mm-hmm. I talk about things like intuition, for example, I find that people who are really intuitive with business don't always have it with health. So they'll be like, I'm making a ton of money, but I just can't get my health in order. And I, I tend to, a lot of people are attracted to me because I've had a lot of success with intuition when it comes mm-hmm. to health. Um, and that's very, and that's something that I can visibly put on Instagram, <laughs> you know, like you can't yeah. put a picture of a million dollars on Instagram, but you know, somebody loses a bunch of weight. They're like, holy shit, man. And then I'll be like, okay, well, you know, I don't, I haven't been on a diet in years. I, I don't even, I don't even know how to do that. Like, I, I just, I just know what my body is asking me for. And then people will be really confused. And, and so I guess my, my question for you, which I would love for you to share with, with my listeners, if you don't mind, is if somebody has a strong intuition, let's say business, and they want to hone it stronger in another area, like health, what would your advice be? For, for them to be able to translate that from one area to another. Mm-hmm. First, you got to recognize there's no differentiation. You are the one shutting it off. If you can flow it in one direction, you can flow it in another. You've decided that that topic area, that bucket is not something that you're going to flow intuition 
towards. That's all. I mean, literally, if you can flow it in one direction, you can flow it in another, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to first recognize that you are the one doing this. You are allowing it in one category and you are disallowing it for the experience of it in another category. So that's the first thing. I mean, recognize that you are it. There is nothing but you, right? And acknowledge that you are doing this. In this category, I allow myself to recognize the full capacity of my intuitive nature. In this one, I don't. Okay. But it's, it's not that it isn't there. It's that I have a belief around, is it going to look crazy if I use it in my business? Are people going to think that it's not a legitimate way to make decisions? Like, what is it that's stopping you from allowing it to flow in that regard? So let's say you're looking at this category that you aren't allowing yourself to use your intuitive nature to help you in some regard. I would suggest that you go back to this standard formulaic question. And it goes like this, follow your highest level of excitement, take it as far as you can take it. So you can't take it any farther from the choices that you have before you don't demand that that impulse or excitement necessarily translate into something specific and stay in a positive mindset, no matter what that is, that formula, because you're talking about things that are exciting and interesting for you automatically allows you to be in the frequency that translates intuitive messages, whether you know it or not. Hmm. I understand this both in my body and intellectually. I know, I know there are people that are going to be like, what the fuck does that mean? Um, it's wonderful though. It's wonderful because we all know what it's like to feel excited Mm -hmm. and we all know what it feels like. I think that people, uh, well, you know, who knows how to feel excited? A seven-year-old knows how to feel excited. (laughs) A seven-year-old knows how to feel excited. A, an 18-year-old knows how to feel excited. I have a, a mm-hmm. client who has many children and just the things that her children are creating in this world mm-hmm. are, are, are astounding. Like I, it, it, it impresses me. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like it just impresses me. And I remember myself at that age. And I remember when I hit my, you know, my early thirties thinking, why hasn't anything happened for me in so many years? And I never realized the level of programming that took over the excitement. There were, t- there were years where I, I wasn't excited about anything. I mean, and, and I don't want to get dark here, but I mean, I'm one of my podcasts. I think it was about alcohol, but it could have been, it, it could have been, I think it, it focused around the idea of suicide. Not that I wanted to die. But every day, you know, when the train was coming into the station and I was going to my job that I hated, I thought, oh my God, like, is today the day? If somebody just pushed mm-hmm. me in front of this train or if I just jump in front of this, tra- I don't want to jump in front of the train, but I thought about it every day. Like, should I just jump in front of this train? Mm-hmm. And I had been living without that excitement, without mm-hmm. that light. And I, I, you know, I have a, I have a, a couple of friends like this who use this line. I don't know what I want. I used to say that a lot. I used to say, I don't know what I want. And do you have, well, I guess two part question. One, do you have people that come to you and say that? And two, if you do, do you have advice for those people in how to find that light? Sure. In the, okay. So first of all, stop telling yourself you don't know what you want because you do, but you've mm-hmm. decided that following someone else's trajectory, their advice, their path is what you've done. So you do know what you want. 
You do. Everyone does. You just disallow it because you don't think it's a legitimate path. Somebody told you that's a stupid idea and you bought into it because that was your excitement. That was your fun. And then you've just been going down this other path so long that it's become habitual and you think you're so far off the path. You're not actually far off the path. You're right there. It's always been there. You, you, there's something that you do that's fun. I guarantee it. Right. So, so begin to explore that, you know, um, two things I want to mention that I think are really important. When we talk about intuition, people go, when they get scared, they're like, Oh, is that my intuition? No, that's fear. Intuition always comes through in a calm certainty. It can come through in emergency situations. Like when we were driving down the road and I was pregnant with Sophia and two little kids in the back and Jeff was driving and I was looking at the floor. And I think this was a combination of my mom and intuition. My mom had died when I was 20, but I heard the words look up. He had just fallen asleep at the wheel, but it was a calm certainty in a very, very second, you know, specific emergency situation. It was a calm certainty. Intuition never causes panic. So if you're feeling panic, mm -hmm. that's a limiting belief. It's not intuition. If you can, if you can separate out a message that is a calm, certain message within the panic, then you'll know, right? Um, so that's what you need to know about that. Um, it's really important because you, people get confused. They think fearful energy is intuition. It is not. That's something else. So get clear on that. And then I forgot the other thing I was going to say. That's <laughs> all right. I, I think that that's really helpful. It's, it also speaks a lot up to now. I know that you were talking, I heard you talking about something on one of, one of your videos, or maybe it was on Wisdom App, I'm not really sure. But you were talking about how everything is happening in the eternal now. And yeah. anxiety and fear happen in the future, which doesn't really ever arrive. And I think that that's, you know, it's kind of like people that are in like split second situations or life or death situations are, get in that state where there is no fear. Because there, there can't be. Because there can't mm -hmm. be right now. Right. And yeah. now is so important. I don't yeah. know if you have and to speak to you on that. I mean, um, that's like a, that's a whole nother, yeah. I don't know if your audience wants to get into that conversation. That's all right. We don't have to. I mean, I just, the, yeah. yeah, the nature of consciousness, but everything you're experiencing is happening right now. There, there actually isn't a past or isn't a future. So, you know, your anxiety is the amplification of a negative belief about self. It's a reflection that you can see of your moving energy through a constricting belief system. That's all it is. I mean, it, it isn't you. And I know how intimate it can feel because it feels like you, but it's not actually you. It's not the real you. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. So they're, they're, your intuition is coming through in every moment of now. And all there is, is now that's it. That's, that's all you have the perception of moving through time, but, but you're not actually, it, it's like, <laughs> We need like a whole three days to we do, we do. And explain and that. You know what it is? Every time I talk to you, I, I, I learn something from you. So I am a complete novice in that, in that I have just started to explore, um, explore spiritually in that, in that, it, in that way. So I know that I don't have, I probably couldn't even engage with you for three days. I would just be sitting there like a fangirl, like, okay, yes, please tell me more about this idea. But I do, well, I here's, do, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, here's an idea because your, your audience likes the food, right? The, the body and the food conversation. A lot of food and, food and body and a lot of um, 
a lot of them want to stop drinking. Like a, a lot of them, a lot of them also are people pleasers. Um, and again, I'm not somebody that like runs analytics on my podcast. I just know this from people who send me DMs and people who right. respond and, and say things. And I kept it that way on purpose because this is something that I do out of love. And I didn't want, oh, I see that I have all these listeners on this particular episode. I uh, Going back to intuition, I... I don't want that to influence what I talk about. Like when I show up here every week, I talk. Mm-hmm. If somebody says, hey, I would like to be on the podcast, I say, sure. Like, you know, we we, we have a, a, or if I feel like somebody should be, great. And I, I mm-hmm. take that as like, that's just something that's happening. I want to keep it in a state of flow. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. kind of adulterate it because I, I put out my best stuff because I'm not so consumed with, that but yes those are those are things that they reach out to me about and it's a lot of people that are that are having trouble you know standing up for themselves like a lot of a lot of people that Mm -hmm. that are flocked to me are people pleasers um Mm -hmm. probably because i'm not you know probably because but yes in terms of getting back to where we started yes a lot of food a lot of alcohol a lot of body image a lot of a lot of that stuff a lot of health limiting beliefs so, so here's an interesting idea. So the cells of the body, and this can relate to food. It can relate to body um, itself. It can relate to many things, but the cells of your body have a consciousness all their own. If you don't get in the way, their natural state is to move back into homeostasis. So that means that things that you want to happen will naturally happen. And you can use intuition to help you um, and your intuition would guide you to the things that are beneficial, which is going to be away from alcohol and to something else. Um, but once you start to make those shifts, you it's not that you have to do something to increase your level of health. It's you just have to stop doing the things that hurt it, which mm-hmm. is good news. Because when you're trying to stop something, whether it's a food addiction or an alcohol addiction, it's really difficult to think, oh, well, now what the hell am I going to do? Right. It, it's a, it's a, it's a large jump to go from stopping something to trying to find in the energy and the desire to do all the good things you're supposed to do. But if you just stop slowly, a couple of things are going to happen. The first thing is you're going to allow your cells to start to, to move towards this organic homeostatic state, which is health, whatever health looks like for you. The second thing that's going to happen is you're going to start to have those emotions because food and alcohol push them down. They numb those things that you have stopped dealing with. They just will. Mm -hmm. So you can engage your intuitive ideas. How do I process this idea? How do I move through this very difficult sensation that I'm dealing with, whether it's loneliness or whether it's imperfection or whether it's judgment or whether it's whatever the emotion is. You can begin to engage because your intuition will give you ideas. You'll think a thought, let me watch Netflix. All right, that feels pretty good. You know, it will give you, go take a walk, look at the plant. Like it will give you ideas that are leading you down your path of least resistance to get from this place of discomfort to a place of ease. Any topic, it doesn't matter the topic. And when you do that, you are allowing the cells of your body to naturally regenerate in a state that benefits you. And then what you can do is as the better that you feel, 
And when I say that formula, follow your highest level of excitement, I don't mean if you're despondent, you have to go to joy. I mean, how high can you go? If you're feeling um, like life isn't worth living, maybe a higher level of excitement is just getting really fucking pissed off because that's more mm-hmm. empowered than feeling depressed. It is a more empowered state. So your highest level of excitement depends on where you start from. It isn't mm-hmm. just go happy, you be skippy, go lucky. You know, it's where are you and how much can you move based on where you are? And intuition is always guiding you. And the cool thing is intuition comes through in thoughts. The thoughts in your head are intuitive ideas. When, it, when, you're, when you're moving towards something that feels better to you, a better state of being, a better environment, um, it, you're constantly being guided. It guides you in impulses. Go in the next room, look out the window, and then you feel the sun hit your face. You're like, that feels pretty damn good. Maybe I'll just sit here for a second. And then another thought will hit. And you'll walk in the next room. You're like, all right, I got to go to the grocery store now. And then you go to the grocery store and then you'll be like, you meet that one person or you don't meet that one person. It's like you're constantly being guided both from a cellular level and a mental emotional level to be in homeostasis. That is your natural state of being. The only reason you're not there is because you do shit that holds you out. You think repetitive thoughts, you do repetitive behaviors that keep you miserable. Mm, So, so fascinating. And I love what you said about yourselves wanting to be in homeostasis. I had an experience probably, I was actually on a call with somebody today. Um, and it was wonderful. I mean, we had a really great conversation and I, and I said this, that for the first two or three weeks that I didn't drink alcohol, I felt like shit, like, like yeah. shit, like shit, mm-hmm. like every day was a bad day. Like every day was like, oh God, <laughs> it, just, it was horrible. Yeah. And then I had a, an experience And I think people who listen to the podcast probably know my story by now, but I'm going to tell it again, just in case this is the first episode someone's listening to. And then I had an experience around week four where that I could only describe as waking up and I could only describe it as that. And about maybe week six, I got on a call who ended up being, you know, really my first spiritual mentor. He was the first person to ever coach me. And he mailed me a book called loyalty to your soul. And that was the first time I ever read the words waking up in, in writing. And I realized at that moment that something else was happening in addition to this behavior change. Like this was just a behavior change. Like I stopped drinking. That was a behavior change. But this other thing was something completely different. It was, it was bigger. And it was like I was seeing with my eyes. For, I, like I had never seen before. Like I had never actually seen the, like I hadn't seen the world in 15 years and I was trying to explain it to people and they were like, I I don't know what you mean. And I'm like, no, no, no. I I was not awake before I was, I was asleep and now I'm awake. And I, I, I often, I mean, obviously I want to tell people, Hey, if you just stop that, you'll, you, you will have this experience I have, there's a lot of people that aren't going to believe me. (laughs) They're not going to believe. But can you speak to that at all? Has anything like that happened to you when you were making all of your, you know, your significant changes in your life? So yes and no in different ways, but every person is here to experience whatever they're going to experience. Let's say the person can't make that change, but let's say they're just going to ride this out, numbing out the rest of their life. That for, from a soul, soul spiritual level will give them the kinds of experiences that they need to grow. So there is no judgment in my term, whether you want to write it out that way, 
that's fine because I know that when you transition back to fully non-physical consciousness, it will benefit you in some way. There is benefit to the negative as well as the positive because it, it isn't like we think of it as judgment, negative and positive. It's all an experience, but mm. um, every person you are creating your reality. So you made as a consciousness, the choice to shift your behavior and in shifting your behavior, it gave you a different POV. It gave you a different perspective. And we're actually shifting multiple timelines, all of us, our consciousness, there isn't actually one timeline. So as you shifted, you not only shifted multiple timelines, you should, you literally became a different person, not, not even just cellular, cellularly, um, because the cell regeneration, but you literally became a different person. And so when you become a different person, you literally have a different POV, a different point of view. Yeah. You have different awarenesses. Your interpretation mm. of reality is different because your consciousness is now functioning. Typically, the people say an expanded level where you're taking in more data, you're taking it differently. Um, that's what point of view is, that it's, it's your interpretation of what you're seeing because you have widened your, your, your energy, your consciousness to include different possibilities you know, different things, your body could look different, your, your business looks different, your conversations look different. And because of that, oftentimes what we find is the people that aren't on that resonance fall away. They, they know, cause you can't experience what you're not the frequency of. So if you shift your frequency by expanding your changing body, changing your, your, everything about your life, uh, most of the time, unless these people match your frequency, that's when friendships change. Um, so you probably had some friendships change as you shifted away from drinking to non-drinking when your body looked different. I bet you, you shifted some friendships in that regard. Um, cause that's what happens is we, as I shifted along my life path, what looked like when I was, when I didn't understand what was happening, it looked like every three years, people just left and I was, and I was a people pleaser. I was like, where are you going? I thought we were going to be friends forever. Like, don't you like me? What happened? They literally disappeared. They, yeah. I, there was a woman who, when my first daughter was little, we met at the park just near my house and we became best friends. But of course, this was a relationship based on negativity. I didn't know it at the time because I was in it. It felt mm-hmm. normal. It was normalized because I was doing it. It was the frequency of it. And then when Isabella was four, we all went to, there was a big group of us and everyone went to the same preschool. And what happened was she she created a birthday party for me. It was a surprise birthday party. She didn't tell me, she didn't get anyone to bring me. And of course, didn't tell me about it. So I didn't go. So the next day I show up at preschool and I remember this very vividly. She's sitting in her car. She rolls her window down a third of the way. And I'm like, Hey, she's like, no, we're done. Never spoke to me again. Never. Really? my, My youngest daughter, it was her godmother. I'm like, she was my best friend. And and she literally never spoke to me again. So what had happened was I realized I was writing this letter to the rest of the one other women in the group. And I was like, I don't know what happened. Like, you know, I was trying to explain myself because I was a people pleaser. I had to explain my perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard this voice in my head. It goes, uh, like, let it go. And it wasn't, it was my voice, but it wasn't my voice. And And I felt the resonance of let it go. So that very, it was a negative synchronicity for positive outcome. It was a very, I cried for days. It was a very traumatic situation, but the outcome 
was my awareness of my larger self, my larger consciousness, my connection mm. to all that is. Um, but I literally, we live in the same town. Our kids go to the same high school. Never, I never see her. Never. You cannot experience what you are not the frequency of, even if they live in your same town. Yeah. You just won't. Oh, that's powerful. That is, that is it. People have, and people pleasers have trouble with that. I mean, because yeah. you were that way, you would know. And I'm, I'm not that way, but even, but it took me a while, particularly with, I don't know what it is about Facebook, Allison. I don't know what it is. I don't give a fuck if people unfollow me on Instagram, if they unsubscribe from my emails, God love you. Like I'm attracting the people that are meant to be here, you know? So yeah. if you don't like what I, my content, well, I'm not a lighthouse for you. Congratulations. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, the podcast, same thing. If you exed off, I don't, give a shit but there's something about Facebook I will write on Facebook and every time I write what I would consider to be a very true to my soul post someone will leave and I I don't know why maybe it's because I was part of Facebook when Facebook was brand new like I was like the second wave of people to be accepted to Facebook like at first it was Ivy League schools and I, I, and then, well, I went to an Ivy school, but not till grad school. Um, and then it was certain colleges. And I, so I was that second wave. It was early 2005 that I got to be on Facebook. I was on Facebook mm-hmm. when it was called the Facebook. So I have this really, I've been on Facebook a really long time. Yeah. Before they bought the domain facebook.com, it was the facebook.com. You can yeah. look this up. And I was on Facebook that long. And I don't know what it is, but it seems like every time somebody deletes me on Facebook, I think, why don't you love me? Like, what did I do to you? And, and I can't. <laughs> and I and I somehow still live there in that I have. But I have to let go of the idea that Facebook is a group of people that are my best friends. It's just like mm-hmm. every other social network. And I view all these other social networks that came along later as spaces where eh, people can come and go. I don't care. But mm-hmm. Facebook, it's like, that's my home. You know, I, I was 19 when I had my first account. Like I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was all of this shit. So I feel like, as in this, you know, this fourth space of Facebook, I feel this, this tremendous hurt when people leave me there. And then, so here's, here's what you do. This is okay. the sentence. There, there are two sentences that an individual can ask themselves to help reveal what is the belief behind the sensation. Okay. So you say, what would I need to believe is true about myself in relation to the situation to feel the way I do? Because you can't feel anything unless there's an active belief. You cannot. Mm-hmm. So there is a belief that's stimulating a sensation, which you are aware of, and you don't like it. What would I need to believe through is true about myself in regards to Facebook to feel this way? There's something in there. Or you can say, if I move forward in the way that I think I want to or the way I would prefer to, what am I scared? What am I afraid is going to happen? Mm. These are things that I'm going to have to deep dive into after this, after this, this, yeah. this particular interview, because it is something. And I and I always, you know, when something, when I have an emotion or I have a feeling, you know, like you know, I do this work. I, I know, okay, I have to look there. Like I have to take Mm -hmm. some time and I have to look there. And one of the active things that I did, I just added you on Facebook. I've decided, you know, if Facebook is going to be this negative of a space for me. And I've noticed a lot of people that I know are are feeling that way. Well, I'm just going to do what I did with all of the the other places where I'm on the internet. I'm just going Mm -hmm. to bring more in 
I'm going to bring more in that, that I want. And, mm-hmm. and I, I will let things fall away as, as they are. And I, I'm working towards acceptance, but that, that was a little bit of a kind of a, a, a non sequitur, but yet it, I, I think it applied at one point. <laughs> I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but um, well, that, that's the cool part about that sentences. And here's why it's so important that people start to examine because you can link it back. Like you can't have a feeling, any sensation, what, whether good or bad, you cannot, it is in this reality, it's impossible without an active functioning belief. Functioning beliefs create your physical experience. It's a direct one-to-one correlate. It's a direct link. So it benefits us to examine why we feel the way we do and, and bring it up to the surface. Oftentimes negative beliefs get stronger, the closer you are to revealing them. And once you reveal them to yourself and they no longer make sense, they disappear. Mm, so right. So right. I love it. I love it. I love it. You have, thank you. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. I like loved having you here. Is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with before I tell them where you, they can find you or before you tell them? No, don't just stop listening to other people. Really, really just listen to your own inner guidance and you will never, ever feel like you're on the wrong path. Mm, so powerful. So right. So right, Allison. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Ted, can you please tell everyone where they can find you? Yes. You can just go to my website, allisonsutter.com. Um, as you said, we've spent some time on Instagram. It's Allison Sutter three. Um, I did two things on TikTok. I'm a little resistant, but I, but I started doing things on TikTok, uh, which is interesting. Like I, I'm doing different things. I never thought I, I would never put them on Instagram, but I put them on TikTok. Like playing ukulele is like, this is so weird. That's so cool. <laughs> um, I haven't been on Wisdom. I mean, I guess I have, but I took a long pause. I don't really spend a lot of time there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I have a YouTube thing. I got a podcast. Just whatever. <laughs> so AllisonSutter.com. Allison Sutter three on Instagram. She has all of these other things. She's dabbling in TikTok. Allison, it's been so awesome. Thank you so, so, so much for being here. You are welcome. My pleasure. And that about does it for this week on the Get the Fuck Off podcast, everybody. Allison Sutter, she is one of my favorite humans. So, so nice to have her here. Thank you, Allison. I will be back next week with another episode. Until then, you guys can check me out on my website, getthefuckoff.com. Uh, you can subscribe to my email list. Join the Western Rebellion. Allison and I talked a little bit about our views on education and how it doesn't set us up for success. So if you're interested in joining that, you can find that at breakfree.getthefuckoff.com. You can also find me on Instagram. I have changed my handle recently, at Andy Scarantino. Andy has two E's, A-N-D-E-E-S-E-A-R-A-N-T-I-N-O. I know, four-syllable last name. Really, really big stuff, but at Andy Scarantino, you can find me there. And I'll be back next week. Until then, you guys take care of yourselves, stay safe, and stay beautiful.